Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift of bringing us together today, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit would fall afresh upon us, Lord. We pray that you would uh, peel off those layers of resistance we have built up to you, and that you would expose our heart to you, Lord God, and speak into our heart. Pour into us your love and your mercy and your grace, Lord. And may we gain an understanding of what you have done for us today as we worship you together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It's great to see you all today. Well, I was thinking as I was reading uh, Thessalonians about giving birth. Now, I've never done it personally, but I've seen it done, right? Which makes me kind of an expert on it, doesn't it? No, not really, unfortunately. But uh, from what I saw, once labor kind of sets in, you're on that train, right? Is that right, women? Is that true? Okay. You can't like be like, well, let me pull out my Palm Pilot. You know, labor's not good today. Can we just postpone it to next week? Like, does that work that way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, once it starts, you're just on that train, man. It's just going, and you're that baby's coming out one way or the other, right? That's the way it goes. You don't have much control over it. And the beautiful thing is, is that at the end of it, God willing, everything going well, um, you're left with new life. God has brought that child from you, and it is now this independent, beautiful creature of God. And we give thanks for that, right? It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? How God does that? Starts with the labor pain, and then suddenly you've got a baby at the end of it. It's amazing. Now, we're pretty good at guessing when it's going to happen. You know, you go see your OB, and you get all the stuff figured out, and you're like, okay, nine months. But does it always come on the ninth, the day the ninth month sets in? No, it can be weeks earlier, weeks later. I mean, it's all just up in the air. It's all God's thing, right? We don't have control of it when that moment hits. But once it hits, there's no going back. There's no turning around. I think that's what Paul was trying to get at in his letter to the Thessalonians. Now, Thessalonica, which is where the Thessalonians all lived, uh, was a city in Macedon, which I'm pretty sure is a kind of dinosaur. That's a Mastodon, but it's close, right? Um, So Macedonia was really a region in what is modern-day Greece. And it was a very prominent city, which in Paul's day would have had a population of over 100,000 people. That's a lot of folks were back then, right? It was a harbor city, which meant it had like Navy people there, which you know it was rough then, right? And it was also at a north-south and east-west crossroads where these major trade routes met, which meant it was a city where there was lots of wealth, probably lots of poverty as well, But also, there were lots of religious beliefs there. Because wherever there's a lot of trade, there's people from all over the world, and they bring with them their cultures. So there was the the typical Roman pantheon of gods. You know, you got Zeus and all those folks. And then you had the imperial cult. Anyone know what that is? Worshipping the emperor as a god, right? Hail to Caesar is what they would have said. Right? Caesar is lord. That's why the statement, Jesus is Lord, is such a prominent statement, because he has supplanted the emperor. Okay, and then they would have also had Egyptian cults, you know, just to keep it fresh. 
There was lots of stuff going on there in Thessalonica. Now, the church of Thessalonica had been founded by Paul and Timothy and Silas on their missionary journey. And one can read about this if you want to in Acts chapter 17 in your Bible. Paul and his crew had preached in the synagogue, which is where the Jews met on the Sabbath day. For three Sabbaths, they had preached there, three weeks in a row. And many of the Jews there had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And then after that, they spent some weeks proclaiming the good news to the Gentile population, when, just like every pastor, they were eventually driven out of town by rioters. (laughs) That's kind of the story. Uh, Paul then later sent Timothy back into them to check on them, to make sure they were doing okay. Timothy brought his report back to Paul, which uh, he told him what was going on in that church. And based on this report, which was mostly good, Paul wrote this letter of the first letter to the Thessalonians to them. The most common theme of this letter, the one we see most often recurring, is the theme of the second coming of Jesus. This is the belief that Jesus Christ will return on the last day to judge the living and the dead, and that those who are in Christ will be raised to eternal life, and those who have trusted in their own strength will receive judgment. Paul wanted to emphasize that this hope of Jesus' coming return should bring peace. The problem was there was a fear among the Thessalonians. You know, like, you've got to put yourself in their place. They are first-generation Christians. What does that mean? Anyone know? The first ones to be Christians, right? There's been nobody before them. They are the first ones in their town, the first ones to hear the gospel, the first ones to receive Jesus, the first ones to have their lives changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, the first ones. Nobody ever before them. No elders in the church, no, like, altar guild to show them along, right? None of that. They are the first. And so they've heard that Jesus Christ is coming back soon, that his return is imminent. Any day now, Jesus Christ will be back to take them home. But something has happened. Some of them have died. And so they're worried. What does this mean for us? What does it mean for those people? Had they sinned and messed up and somehow lost their salvation? Are they in some other state? What is going on with them? And what does that mean for us? I thought Jesus was coming back soon, but now these people are dead. Do they not get to have eternal life? They seem like nice folks. Right? They made the little uh, rolls at coffee hour and stuff. We like them. Right? They're wondering what has gone on and what this can mean. Now, for us, 2,000 years later, it's hard to conceive this would be a struggle, right? Because we've seen a few come and go from between Jesus' resurrection and now, haven't we? Right? We've seen generations. We've seen cultures come and go. We've seen places where there were strong churches disappear. I mean, we've, and we've seen places where there were no churches pop up. Right? We've seen so much, and it's hard for us to imagine this would be a challenge. But for them, it was. They truly believed and trusted that Christ was coming back soon to get them. And they didn't know what this meant, that people had died. Paul wanted to clear up this issue 
because he didn't want them to sit in this state of doubt, uncertainty, not knowing what had happened to their friends. He wanted them to know that death in this world does not cause us to miss out on eternal life. And here in our section, we see Paul addressing the church there about this second coming of Jesus. He says, For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. How does the thief in the night come? Quietly. And, and they plan it beforehand with you, right? They coordinate. They say, okay, when are you going to be out of town? All right, then. All right. Well, I'll plan on coming then, okay? Just don't be home. No, that's not how it works, right? They come suddenly. They come at a time you don't expect it. If you were prepared for it, you know, you'd have the police in your living room when it happened, right? But you're not. The thief in the night sneaks in. And once the thief in the night has come, there is no going back. There's no escaping from that. He compares this, I mean differently, he puts it up as a parallel to the pains, labor pains for a pregnant woman. Once that moment sets upon you, you didn't know when it was going to happen. You didn't know uh, what moment it would take place. But once it's come, once those labor pains are there, labor is on its way. And that process will come to fulfillment. Because of the impending return of Jesus Christ, the Thessalonians should be ready for him. They should be ready. They should remain alert and prepared for him to take them home. He says, But you, beloved, are not in the darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. The day might come, the day of Jesus' return might come at a time we are not expecting. But for those Thessalonians who were in Christ, Jesus would not be coming like a thief. He would not be an unwelcome visitor. He would be coming like a friend who we have waited for our whole lives and who is now coming unexpectedly to drop in and take us home. That was the hope that Paul wanted the Thessalonians to know. Because he will be back soon, and it was not clear when that soon would be, because it still is soon now, the Thessalonians were called to put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. These things would preserve them in their love for God. They would defend them. That armor of God would keep them safe. Because there is a good future ahead, which was promised to them. Paul said, For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. Paul wanted them to know that whether they were alive or dead, or awake or asleep, they use those as euphemisms for alive or dead. When Christ returned, their salvation was assured because it was given through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection for them. They could be sure that because Jesus was raised, they would be as well. They need not uh, be discouraged by the death of their friends. Rather, they can be filled with hope that on the last day, their friends who had died and them who were alive would all be alive in Christ. We live in a time of uncertainty as well. 
Despite our society's advances in hygiene and technology and automobiles, whatever, you know, they didn't have those anyway, so I guess you can't advance that. But Oh, sorry, about, I, I'm totally going off in my mind right now. So despite our advances, despite what a, a cool culture we live in now and how like simple many things in our life is, that you can pop dinner in the microwave and it can be done in a couple of minutes, right? Despite that, the world sometimes still smacks us in the face. It knocks us over. Something like the stock market crashes or the housing market crashes and, and what we'd invested, what we thought was our future in is gone. Or we get sick. We get sick with something we don't know how we're going to get out of. And suddenly life comes to a screeching halt. All our plans, our thoughts about what life was going to be disappear. This is the way our world works. It is a world that is beyond our control. Thank God that we have a Lord who is watching over us and can protect us no matter what happens. May we as Christians, through prayer and faith in God, put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. May we seek to build each other up and encourage one another because it's so easy to be torn down and to tear down, to discourage and to be discouraged. And may we watch together and prepare for the coming of our Lord because, friends, his coming is soon. We do not know the day, we do not know the hour, but Jesus Christ is coming back. May we be found fully awake when he does prepared for him, ready to have our friend take us to that eternal home. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you take us broken people, Lord, and you offer us your hope. Lord, we're so bad at staying awake and alert, Lord, so easily distracted by the things of this world, so easily uh, led astray from the path you have set before us, Lord God. Help us to encourage each other. Help us as the body of Christ, Lord, to bless and challenge and focus each other, to sharpen each other, Lord God, so that we might be found alert and awake when you come back to set us free. Lord, we know that your return is soon. And we know that there are many who have not put their hope in you, Lord. Help us to share your hope with them. Help us to share that message of grace you have given us with others, Lord, that they might be able to look forward to and anticipate your coming so that you would not come like a thief in a night to them, but like a returning friend. Lord God, we pray that you give us the words to share with others. Give us the hope in our hearts, Lord God, and give us the grace to follow you faithfully in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.